score. I declare bankruptcy. Bears eats Battlestar Galactica. Depression. Isn't that just a fancy word for feeling bummed out? Dwight, you ignorant slut. Not only the years we've been at war, but from the moment as a child when we realized that the world could be conquered. Welcome to Great Scott, the Office Podcast. I'm Jay Ray, and with me is my deskmate, Jacob. Hey, guys. How's it going? We are back after um, that super fun technical chipmunk robot problem <laughs> last week. That was, certainly was something. I appreciate uh, everybody who still listened to it, though, um, even though I was basically unintelligible. <laughs> um, so... Um, for those of you who don't know, we're a member of the Broken Jars Broadcasting Network, so visit Broken Jars at XYZ to visit, um, you know, check out our About Us and read a little bit about us and all the other shows on there. Jacob has like a thousand shows on there. I have one other show. It's pretty great. I only have two <laughs> I shows. I have this one and I fantasy. That's it. All right. That's fair. Um, but uh, if you like what we do, we've started a Patreon. It's only a, it's still a wee baby, but um, we got some pretty cool incentives on there. Um, our first one is uh, the tip jar. Just be cool, give us a buck, show us some love, support it. It's really nice. Uh, for $2 or more a month, we have the inner circle, so you get access to uh, our Discord channel. Uh, that's that's a lot of fun. We, we, we're on there quite a bit. So Yeah, we're talking to uh, it's crazy stuff. People are having babies in there, um, not with each other, but you know, it's our <laughs> life. You know, well, it's video games yeah. and movies. Yeah, it's great. Um, stick with us for three dollars. Uh, one time, get a free sticker uh, of our Broken Jars logo. Uh, Jacob just got them in. They look sweet. They are very nice. Yes, I should have brought them down so I could show the YouTubers, but I forgot. That's reason for you YouTubers to come back in two weeks um, for our <laughs> next episode. Um, for eight dollars more a month, we've got the Echo Jar. So have a short thirty-second uh, special recording by um, your favorite member of the network if they're available, which is uh, nice. Mm. Probably me. Maybe Jacob. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then for $12 a month, we have Inner Circle Enhanced. Uh, this basically gives you access to the specific podcast channel. Um, you get to see the inner workings and all the, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all that fun stuff of the particular channel. Mostly the Great Scott channel is uneventful. For the hey, most Jacob, part. I put, I put the podcast up on Reddit. And then he goes, okay, cool. Here, I saw this on Reddit. Um, it's pretty <laughs> yeah, cool. we don't we do not do a lot. But the rest of the, the, the rooms are really lively generally, and so is our Discord. Yeah. Um, and then for $20 a month, deleted scenes. Join the scheduled pre-show uh, setup and post-show chat of those scheduled podcasts. So, you know, basically you've got to get an inside look at the beginning and end of your favorite show. Um. Also, another fun, good, bad, and ugly kind of situation. You know, you get to listen to uh, me telling Jacob I'm not sure that my microphone is even on. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 great. A lot of uh, check check one twos and all that jazz. And a um, lot of the and it's with mo- most Patreons, you you get all all the reward tiers up to your so all the twenty dollars includes stickers and all sorts of stuff. So. That's right. Um, you know, we've had a pretty good, um, we've had a good participation rate. So we were able to kind of open up and add some new rewards. So we're excited about them. And, uh, 
if you like what we do, hopefully uh, you'll check out patreon.com slash broken jars and um, give me a dollar. Give us your hard-earned monies, please. <laughs> and on that note, uh, we are going back to the office, season five. Um, actually, we're taking a trip outside of the office today. We're going to visit Prince Family Paper. <laughs> so this is season five, episode 13, written by BJ Novak and directed by Asad Kalada. There it is. I'm very bad with names, so <laughs> just uh, <laughs> bear with me. Uh, aired January 22nd, 2009. It was viewed by 8.74 million people. Um, this is so, about the peak of The Office in terms of viewers. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, I think that's usually how shows go anyways. I mean, they are, they're either super popular and get canceled unfairly or they'll, they'll peak in the middle and then they'll be on about as long and kind of taper off toward the end. But The Office is one of those shows that had a really strong finale, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, this has got one of my favorite cold opens where Jim buys a spool of red wire and plugs it into Dwight's computer and runs it up a telephone pole and who knows where else. Yeah. And he um, says, Jim says it was 500 feet, but there's no way in hell it was like 500 feet would stretch that much. Yeah, it's, it's a bit much. Um, well, it's funny because in, what is it, Conflict Resolution, all of the gym pranks are read kind of back to back and he comes to this realization that it's kind of lame, right? But here we are just a couple years later, and he um, is climbing up telephone poles to continue to prank Dwight at his own personal peril, you know? <laughs> There's a great line in there. He's like, oh, he'll be fine. I made it up there. <laughs> I know, yeah, and I was like, okay, so, you know. A little but bit I love how Dwight has the that. gear. He's got, like, the shoes with the spikes in him and stuff, uh-huh. and he's just, yeah. like, crawling up this telephone pole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the bulk of our episode here starts with a phone call from our favorite CFO, David Wallace. And Gromit. Gives, that's, <laughs> uh, gives him a call, uh, gives Michael a call, basically asking him to do some research on a local paper company that has a hold of a particular region. Um, and this information is unavailable because they're a privately held company. I guess traditionally this would go to the position that Ryan slash Jan normally had, but because right. no one's in that role at the moment, Michael's going to get to do some of that. Seems like a long time to keep that role vacant. I mean, I know they've had issues, so but it just seems like, I mean, it's been, if you take how the, the shows go, you know, it's been like six months right. that the position's been open, maybe longer. I wonder if maybe... Uh, because of how Jan left and then how because of how Ryan left, maybe they're like retooling the position and separating out the responsibilities or something, you know, doing some kind it of... definitely could be. Just yeah. one of those weird, like, it just seems like a long time to keep a, a high-level position like that open. Yeah, yeah. But um, Michael agrees to do it. Seems like a good opportunity to get some face time with all the, uh, you know, the important people up at corporate. Um, he brings Dwight along. Um because why not? Dwight is always a, a solid number two to go on your covert secret missions. Um, and they basically have a plan to uh, go in separately and pretend they are different people, right? Right. Uh, uh, Michael's a lawyer and Dwight is Dwight. 
trying to get a sales job position and they have this terrible like signal to get out that them that's them like overly licking their lips like like porn star level licking of lips that's right are we not are we not gonna do it for our youtube audience i don't even know if i could do it <laughs> that's fair all right well audio listeners you're not missing out on anything then um yeah so so they drive there together and they're kind of talking about their plan um there's some there's a funny little exchange where you know dwight's trying to be a detective and deducing visual you know elements to decide whether or not the company is doing well or not and then michael incorrectly names some clouds off in the distance and uh get your clouds right michael <laughs> yeah. um and then michael goes in um while this is happening there is a very important b storyline is Hillary Swank hot? So where where do you come down on the Hillary Swank hotness? Uh, yeah, she's hot. That's what I'm gonna say. I. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I go back and forth on her. I mean, she's not in my top ten for sure. <laughs> I don't no, know. Okay. There's there's a lot of a lot of pretty people out there. <laughs> Um, no, the way I figure it, well, one, because they're just talking about her. They're not specifically mentioning like present day Hillary Swank, however she looked in 2009. So I feel like you could just, you know, go back into your Hillary Swank movie library and, um, just kind of pick your favorite one. You and I really thought you were going to say Hillary Swank bank and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> but you That's, didn't go there. That is <laughs> good, good job. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, you know, I think that's fair, but, um, so the office is divided on this question. Um, I don't, I didn't write down who's on what side, but basically we have Kevin on the surprising side of not hot, right? Right. So Kevin, Oscar, Phyllis. No, Stanley's on the, yeah. uh, um, I guess Ryan. Ryan's not there Ryan. right now. He's not there. No. And then you've got. But Jim and Pam are think she's hot. Mm-hmm. Um, Where's Creed? Creed. Oh man, I don't know. I feel like he's he thinks she's hot, but I also feel like his vote probably shouldn't count. He probably doesn't know what's actually being talked about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so the two teams are basically going debate style, uh, showing arguments and having to deal with, uh, you know, some defensive questions and all that kind of jazz, but um, it's it's very funny. <laughs> it's very good, and it's very important, and it lasts the entire episode, basically. Right, it's just, it's a psycho plot line, and, like, there's just so many good things, like, work, especially because it seems like Jim, for whatever reason, is working on Kevin. Like, he's just, like, getting in there, getting in his face sort of about it. He's like, all right. Imagine Hillary Swank comes in right now. He wants to have sex with you. Is she hot? And so he gets up, walks over, walks back. He's like, no, it's not would you do her. It's, is she hot? Respect the game. <laughs> For whatever reason, I just love that line where he's like, respect the game, Halpert. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I think I, I don't really know the distinction between would you do her and is she hot. I feel like you must have some inkling of a person's hotness if you would do them, you know? Well, 
I mean, there's there's a difference between hot and just attractive, right? Which is what Stanley yeah. tries to say. It's like cute, beautiful. It's all the same it's thing, the same. right? Right, and then Kevin again with the amazing lines in this episode says, "A painting can be beautiful, but I do no, not want, want any painting." <laughs> so bad. That's so good, but the like one of the questions like does does they have does a person have to hit like an eight or above to be considered hot on the ten point scale like you know if someone's a seven is that all or is are they hot? Well, you know that's a good question because are we saying that hotness is the pinnacle of attractiveness? Because I feel like there could be hot people that are not pretty. Is that possible? Yo, yeah, I think so. And then you got stuff like, you know, you can be very cute, but still be like an eight or nine. You know, to me, hot is a very specific type of look. You know, more mm-hmm. more just that like raw sexuality, where like like a cute is more like Alison Brie or something like that. So. And then you have like beautiful, which is more like uh, oh, what Anne Hathaway? You know, she's just just a gorgeous woman. But I wouldn't I wouldn't call her hot, but she's definitely gorgeous. You know, this is a slippery slope. Bound in this conversation, <laughs> just <laughs> noping mean, away, huh? Based on this, it sounds almost like a like a. Well, I don't. I'm going to Adobe uh, Illustrator here, but like a CMYK sliding scale of color. You know, <laughs> like it all incorporates in ads but you know there's the cute scale and there's the hot scale and there's the the pretty scale you know well see the way i always looked at it and this is probably the wrong way to look at it but my thought was that you know the the hot cute beautiful whatever are descriptors of how someone looks not like their level like so they, someone could be on like the one to ten scale and be hot or cute, but still be like a nine or whatever. I see. I see. Okay. So we just approached it wrong. That's fair. Like that's okay. that's how I always thought of it in my head, but I I don't know. <laughs> or, well, everybody weigh in. <laughs> yeah, um, brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail dot com. I'm sure I'm gonna get some all sorts of great hate mail from our female listeners. <laughs> That, this would be great stuff to add into, um, you know, our Apple podcast reviews. <laughs> great Scott, five stars, love the show. By the way, Hillary Swank, these are my thoughts. That's right. That's the way to do it. Um, yeah, there's a couple other good arguments. Um, Oscar brings up a big picture of her face and talks about coinophilia, which is like the symmetry, th- symmetry, symmetry of the face. Boy, I'm playing a lot of Overwatch, so I'm thinking like Symmetra. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, yeah, like, Stanley does like a little impassioned thing where he's like holding his chest a lot. He's talking slowly and he's really enunciating. Um, right, he's talking about how like, you know, he's only got a few years left. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Toby is a late addition and he, um, thinks she's not hot. No, he just like shakes his head and walks away. Um, and then Angela comes in later, um, after Kevin's crude comments about, um, Boys Don't Cry, I think is the movie, where he accuses Hilary Swank of looking like she should have had a real penis at the end of that movie. 
is <laughs> expecting her to be actually be a boy. Yeah, yeah. So she she joins, and when she joins, it seems like the scales have tipped in their favor again. And that's when Toby comes. It's it's complicated. It's very it's it's a very close race up until the very end, where Michael comes in and goes, "Oh, she's hot." Right. <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah. Um. So back at Prince Paper. I mean, this, it's it's pretty quick, but Michael goes in. He pretends to be a lawyer, and he's he's kind of not very tactfully asking pointed questions about their business model, right? Oh, and he pulls out a sheet of <laughs> yeah, paper sheet to of ask sheet. questions, which is terrible. But could you like? Do you think you could do this sort of corporate espionage? Oh yeah, I think I could. Yeah, I think because um, part of so. I work in a, a wholesale industry, right? Without being too specific. And we have our customers obviously get from us and our competitors also. Um, so what Michael's doing is specifically going to the competitor. I haven't gone that far yet, but I've gone to customers or similar asking them about the competitor. Um, hmm. You know what? Maybe it is hard because he's in enemy territory. He's like in there. Right, but he's also, you know, if he's successful, he runs this company out of business, essentially. Yeah, and you know what? For for my uh, industry, I don't think that's a terrible thing. It's fine. But <laughs> but I'm talking about know, the like, could you do this to to these to, people? I could not. I could not do it to four people who work in an office. I could do it to a thousand faceless people, um, which is probably worse. But if I had to look at these four people in the eye and help them with their math homework. Uh, no, I didn't think I did. Yeah. <laughs> and we learned that Dwight has 90 clients, which seems like a lot, but. Yeah. <laughs> but they're, you know, they're, they're the regional branch and they've taken on clients from other regions as they've closed, right? So Stanford's gone all to Pennsylvania, theoretically. Right. Um, and then Dwight is the top salesman for. Dunder Mifflin and was afforded an opportunity to speak at the Northeastern Pennsylvania's um, salesman of the year or whatever. That we only see once, which is probably good. It would have been stupid to do it again. Yeah. But Michael's got this great line when he's doing it. And he's like something like he's making the owner laugh a lot. He's like, laughter's my job. Tears are my game. Law's my profession. Like, right the fuck does that even mean like i get laughter's my job but tears are my game like (laughs) what yeah yeah it's it's like obviously there's a an actual saying in the middle of all that and he's just like changing words around and it loses all meaning (laughs) um man what is it uh i think it's benny hana christmas where michael like does not understand like the concept of rebounding right yeah he's, he's like i rebounded and uh, we picked up the ball, and we shot it again, and then I scored. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, that's not what we're talking about, you dumb dumb. <laughs> um, yeah, but they're in there. So the funny thing about Dwight's bit is that um, it's a family-owned company, so the only other salesperson in the company is the owner's son. Right. So he's like, well, fire him. I'm your son now. <laughs> like, and, Dwight uh, just so, like, I actually thought he did a really good job, like, just yeah. like, in there doing... Like, it's like, screw you guys. Give me, give me my stuff. Yeah. And there's a instant where Dwight, I guess, is, um, I think truthfully complaining about Michael. 
right? Right, in front of um, Michael. Michael not, just not kidding just him. Clip, I think he's trying to... That's right. He's like, hey, don't blow it. It's just like for no reason. Right. Um, Michael takes a picture of their customer map by pretending to take a picture of uh, the owner's wife, who is also their kind of secretary. Which uh, I don't know exactly why he needed the the picture because he already had gotten the the client list from the owner at least for i don't know if he got the entire client list but he got their biggest clients you know i don't i don't think no i think he gets the list as he's leaving no uh i'm pretty sure like maybe he, maybe you're right they gets it then he bolts yeah and then they're and then they start doing their uh, their secret sign to uh to leave the premise immediately and they're so bad like anyone who was watching it would obviously know that they're like they know each other right right um, especially like after michael screws his car up he's just like admonishing dwight like shut up dwight well and that's you know that's so okay so they they leave dwight thinly veils a need for a ride to go with michael who based on their cover is a stranger um, they get in the car in a hurry. Dwight urges Michael to drive forward, but there's one of those parking bumps, right? Right. Um, they demolish the front of the car and you feel like if so, if I didn't know this guy was giving me a ride and he just wrecked his car, I'd be like, you know what? I am going to catch the bus. <laughs> I appreciate the niceness, but Dwight sticks it out. And then, yeah, that puts him in this situation where, um, Obviously, it seems like there's some type of camaraderie between the two of them to these people who they're trying to pretend they don't even know each other, you know? Right. Like, um, after he messes up his car, he just loses all pretenses of trying to, like, play the game of not knowing Dwight. Right, right, yeah. Um, so the whole family comes out. You know, they, they bring him coffee and stuff. Uh, they use duct tape and some zip ties and rope and... They get that thing back on, and it seems to be working fine. And we learn that this is a very nice, helpful family who, you know, they're not, uh, they're just, they're just selling paper, right? They're not right. Like, trying to compete with the corporations or anything like that. They're just doing what they do. Um, and then Dwight maniacally laughs, talking about <laughs> how you've done more than you possibly could imagine, right? <laughs> Dwight's so heartless. Like, yeah. he's just like, screw you guys. Yeah, it's tough. Um, but this sends Michael then into like a, a spiral, right? Right, yeah. Like if this doesn't happen, he do, he probably doesn't have any issues doing, you know, killing the company or giving the stuff to Wallace. Right. And to be fair, there's, I mean, we know because we've seen the show that Prince Family Paper goes under pretty quickly. That's right. I think it's... um. It's yeah, just a couple episodes before the Michael Scott Paper Company. It's when he's um he put his two weeks in, I think. Yeah, I think it's two weeks. So it's one, two, one, two, three, four episodes later. Uh, if you go by time, it's you know January twenty second to March twenty sixth, so about two months. Right. So. Um. And then, Jesus, okay. <laughs> ads on the office wiki. Um, so they get back to the office, and Michael faxes information over whatever to David Wallace. And David Wallace is like, this is good. This is great. Um, no, I skipped. That's toward the end. 
Yeah. He, yeah, Michael has a problem first. He can't do it. He, the family's too nice, and he understands the information he's got will destroy the family, and Dwight is like the the devil on his shoulder, right? Right. And uh, among many of Dwight's tactics to convince Michael that this is a good move, he recounts the story of Lord of the Rings. I know. And he also talks about how, like, his heart makes Cheryl the see. He's like, and Michael's like, you're right, Jan, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I don't get it, but okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we almost think Michael's going to do it, but he runs away, and we are treated to a foot chase around the office building between Dwight and Michael. Um, we see various staircases being used, mm-hmm. uh, shortcuts and stuff, and Dwight eventually gets the upper hand and gets the uh, document from Michael outside. And Michael's just too short, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of gives up. One thing I got to give the like production crew is they did a, they've done a really good job of making the cars look like they're in the Northeast. Oh, yeah. You know, because they're all grimy with salt and stuff. And I mean, you understand, but for the listeners, like, yeah, I mean, my cars will be caked by the end of winter because it's snowing yeah. all the time. You just got ice and salt and crap being kicked up uh, on you. Yeah, from the from the end of December to, like, the beginning of March, your car is going to have dirty white spots, frozen bird shit. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, hunks of ice that are just hovering above your tire that, for whatever reason, will not move. They're like <laughs> cursed there. Um, yeah, no, they did a good job with the, uh, the look and feel, despite shooting in in old L.A. Right. Um, but then they make the call to David. David gets everything, and it's great. And um, but as we know, that's the end. Um, you mentioned it, but so the message that is spoken during that episode we find out they go under is like this very sad message from the owner who's all like you know after many years of serving the community prince family paper has uh has been forced to close its doors and then his granddaughter is there she's like bye it's like the saddest thing you know and it's funny because the the idea of closing this company now is what's killing michael right but it kind of washes over him later like when he calls like, he doesn't make that connection, or it doesn't bother him as much. Well, when he doesn't... Isn't he, like, drunk when he calls them, if I remember oh, right? he could be. Yeah, Because he, he was drinking the scotch and stuff. Yeah. Like, and there's a great Michael moment, talking head, where he's talking about it being a bittersweet moment, and yeah. how he doesn't understand bittersweet. Like, he just wants to be all sweet. Like, what's the point of bittersweet chocolate anyway? Right, right. I thought that was really good. So, uh, did we miss anything? Not really. I mean, this episode is extremely straightforward. Not a lot happens, and it's not really plot-related. Like, there's not not that deals with a larger plot of the episode. Um, Not the episode, the the series. I think think that, um, you know, I've, I've been saying it since we got toward the end of season four and the beginning of season five, Dwight has started to like, he's not such a yes man anymore. Right. Right. He's, he's kind of coming to his own and he disagrees with Michael openly when it happens. And, um, you know, this is starting to like be a big part of it. And why I think they started showing that so early is because when Michael has a Michael Scott paper company, they're on opposing sides. Right. Right. 
So like we needed to explain why Dwight would, you know, because his loyalty to the company seems to be equal to his loyalty to Michael himself. Right. Right. Um, and our, the next episode we're going to talk about is another instance of Dwight kind of like being much more bold on his own without, you know, cause he used to slink away when Michael would yell at him. Right. Right. Um, but all this season, Dwight's just kind of like, and then from this point on for the rest of the show, Dwight like has this type of personality or whatever. And we kind of accept it. But I remember watching it early on and I was like, it's kind of weird to see him take this turn. Um, but having watched all these episodes so rapid fire lately for uh, some podcasts I'm doing <laughs> um, and like really trying to scrutinize over these episodes, I'm realizing like, uh, you know, all this is like pointing to when Dwight like says, Michael, you know, you're not my dude anymore. I'm a Charles Minor kind of guy. Right, right. Yeah. The, the gunslinger, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what would you give this episode, sir? Uh, I enjoy it. Like I said, straightforward. Not a lot of twists and turns, but it's fun. Good jokes. So I gave this a uh, 3.5 out of 5. Tears are my game. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah, I think I, I'm I'm about there with you. I gave it a, a 3.2 out of 5's bottoms. <laughs> That's where I'm at. So <laughs> uh, lastly, because we're sort of only doing two episodes, we're going to do Stress Relief Part 1 and 2. Uh, season five, episode 14, 15, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, written by Paul Lieberstein, Tobes himself, and directed by Jeffrey Blitz. Originally aired on February 1st, 2009. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, this is after the Super Bowl, like right after the Super Bowl. And I want to say this is the, I mean, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say this is the highest viewed episode ever it's 22.91 million viewers right mm-hmm. and i i see some tens let's look at the finale how the finale did yeah the finale wow lower than i expected uh what do we got here oh Mike? wow yeah there's <laughs> there's a graph for it <laughs> um yeah i see yeah they seem to average around 10 maybe a little under Right. Uh, lots of eights and sevens, but um, 22 is nuts. Right. It's crazy. But that's yeah, like that's what Friends thing. used to do pretty much all the time. Like, like Fringe? Friends, the show. Oh, oh, Friends. I was like, Fringe on Fox? That's a weird show. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I was in college when this show aired, and um, we used to. You know, Thursday is a big drinking night in college, and office aired on Thursday, so it all worked out. And um, I recall this episode was really kind of like tore my friends' opinions apart because on one side of it, it was it's it's a really funny episode, right? You just kind of take it at face value. Right. There's just like so many ridiculous funny things. But on that note, a lot of my friends were thought it was not quite shark jumping. But they were kind of hopping across a river here, you know, Um, right? because there's a lot of instances where the people, everybody in the office just got dumbed down so much for this episode so that the jokes play that it kind of felt like, you know, so we'll we'll get into it. But there's a instance where they're in a CPR class 
And there is there is just some type of lack of oxygen in that room to cause everybody who is participating in this class to stand up and start singing and <laughs> dancing in the middle of nowhere, you know? Right. And, and it's really funny, and they, they shot it and played it really well because it does feel organic. People kind of come in, and then it crescendos, and it's just this whole dance party. But in reality, it's like, that's nuts. Like, Kelly wouldn't do that, right? Well, no, actually, um, I can see Kelly would. doing that. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, because I could see Andy singing it like that. But, right. Because um, even Dwight, there's a shot of him, and he's kind of bobbing his head a little bit. And he's, like, kind of begrudging about it, but he does it. I don't know. Um, so, you know, it, it's just a, it's a contentious episode amongst mm-hmm. me and my, my, my friends. Uh, I don't know if I – I'm trying to remember if I watched this actually after the after Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, it's it's got a really good – not really cold open, but cold open where Dwight fakes a fire to teach people about fire safety. Yeah. You know, it has the great quote, smoking is going to save lives. I mean, and this, and you're right, this cold open slash not cold open, I mean, it is, it's hilarious. Right? Yes. Yes. So, so Dwight's setting all these different like booby traps to make the office think that there's a fire. Um, the fire and, is shooting at us. Yeah, so then he's throwing fireworks. Um, he's burned all the handles with a, a little portable torch to make sure that they're hot so people don't want to, to the point where Oscar actually seems to burn his hand on the damn handle. Um, and then when they find out that all those doors are closed, like everything just cuts open, right? Michael's right. throwing chairs at the um, conference room window trying to get help. Oscar well, he throws scared. the like the overhead projector through the window. Then, yeah. Then ultimately, he throws that through, and then he's just looking outside. Help! And then they throw um, like I I don't know why, but they're trying to knock down the the door that ends up being like a storage room <laughs> with a copier. Yeah, they, well, because I think that's a back door, but that's the thing. I mean, we have to look back at that. Well, in season in, nine, it becomes where the the camera crew keeps all their stuff. Right, right. I mean, that's the thing. It doesn't really matter in this scene, right? Right. They're like, it's all doors, whatever. But yeah, exactly. That That's how ridiculous it is. They're just like, okay, there's a door in this main part of the office that no one really tries to open. Let's have them ram the copier into it. And we also see Angela's hidden cat, which I think is the first time or maybe the only time we see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty yeah. funny. Well, so Oscar climbs onto his desk and goes into the ceiling and says he's going to get help. And Angela says, take me. He's like, you're too heavy. She's like, I only weigh 82 pounds because she's little. Then she hurls her cat up and the cat comes (laughs) falling down another tile. Um, This is like the second time Kevin knocks over a cameraman. I think the first time maybe is during the, the fire drill episode um, where we didn't start the fire. Yeah. Uh, but Kevin knocks over a cameraman, runs to the break room, takes a chair also, throws it at the vending machine, just starts pocketing snacks, his own form of looting. Um, yeah, it's just Michael's so like, much happens. Dwight's, Dwight's like, you know, trying to shout out, shout out instructions. And I was like, what's the first thing? Stay, and Michael, like, stay fucking calm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great when Michael curses and the bleep him. Like um, I love that he just freaks out. So like he, you know, it's par, par for the course for him because we see him do like quite a bit. But he just 
he freaks out so easily. It's hilarious. Yeah, he very much does not want to die. <laughs> That's his thing. Right. Um, yeah, again, it's during that uh, fire drill episode or whatever. He's the first one out the building, and he says, um, you know, people say women and children first, but isn't that sexist? Yeah. So if he lets women and children out, he'd have a lawsuit on his hands, you know? That's why he's the first one out the door. Um, all this is happening. Stanley is just having a lot of trouble <laughs> dealing with it and then falls over due to a heart attack. Yep. Um, you know, there's some CPR. Mm-hmm. Michael is shouting, <laughs> Barack is president. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, he was what, just inaugurated, right? We're like two weeks away from that inauguration. Uh, the was in 2008. Right, let's see. When did we say this episode was? February 1st. Um, yeah, when is... It was like the 18th or the 28th or something like that. Or the 13th. Yeah. I'm, Internet sleuthing. I am, I am. I'm just trying to get a date. Uh, Jan tw- January 20th, so he had been you know, officially president for like two weeks, three weeks. I mean, so and that's pretty impressive considering turnaround times for episodes, you know? Well, yeah, but... I mean, but, well, he was elected in November. Right, so, you know, it's... There is some lead time. But, um... So, commercial break. We come back, um, and there's a lot going on. Um, Dwight is now at, at corporate, uh, getting reprimanded by Kendall, the HR rep, and right. Dwight. This is like the first time we see dark, especially <laughs> hear Kendall talk, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, it's like asking very obvious questions. You know, he saw like apparently you shouted fire. He's like, I did. I shouted fire. I shouted many things. I also <laughs> shouted helpful instructions. And then another instance of this crazy dumbing down, Dwight's trying to explain himself while Michael is trying to correct his use of the word heed. Take headed like, of. Yeah. It's like a minute and 15 seconds of Michael just going heated. Take headed of. Yeah. And I do love how Michael swaps sides. Oh, uh, it tries to swap sides of the table, oh, right. like start trying to reprimand Dwight. Um, <laughs> they ask Michael a question and Michael's like, Dwight? And they're like, no, you, Michael. He's all like, sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> and it's funny because you look at the two of their faces and like you said, Kendall, as far as we know, hasn't had a lot of direct interaction with Michael, but David has. Right. And so during that heated bit, when we zoom out, we look at Kendall and he's like totally lost and David's just like leaning back in his chair. He's like, this is going to be a longer meeting than it should be. Right, and this is also where you, they do a good job of, uh, oh, do, uh, fuck, David Wallace, there we go, of him getting more and more exact, more and more <laughs> exasperated with Michael. Yeah, that's right. So you see, um, like, I'm trying to think, like, business trip, Holly, uh, all sorts of stuff where he just gets start getting more and more pissed off at Michael. Right. Right. Um, 
So the entire office is now forced to take a CPR class because they need to be prepared in case something like this happens. Right. Um, Stanley finally comes back and Michael's like, everybody be quiet and be calm. And um, Stanley walks in and he's being pretty chill too. He's supposed to, right? He's like, That's if I don't find another way to, better way to handle my environment, I'm going to die. Then Michael does something, it flashes back, I'm going to die. <laughs> so how much damage do you think that they actually did to the office? Because they essentially destroyed the copier. They yeah. shattered a window, a vending machine. Like, how much damage was actually done to the office? 10,000, 20,000? Like, I'm going to say that the copier might be fine because we know that they bought new chairs. <laughs> so that copier is already a piece of crap. So maybe that's okay. Um, the ceiling tiles are probably easy enough because of Oscar. Usually they have replacements somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, the vending machine's tough. Um, though it might not be on them. Maybe the vending sh- machine company would cover it or insurance or something. But the the windows in the conference room is pretty big. The um, smoke damage is big. Um, probably, yeah, maybe a couple thousand. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. In this episode, Michael poses a very big ethical question. If someone has no arms and legs, do we even bother saving them? <laughs> um. And Kevin basically lives like that now. Yeah. He's like, I would want to, I could live with no legs, but I would need arms. Yeah, maybe I'd be okay with no arms. That'd be tough. Be tough. Not both. Not both. Yeah, I mean, unless there was some type of robotics involved, I, I, it, it's, it's tough to be a torso and a face. That's, that, if you, if you, if you listen to the show though, and that describes you, you are a very brave individual, and I admire you. Um, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> so, uh, so the CPR class. We're, we're just gonna get so much hate mail for this episode. I know, I know. You're 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 a sexist, and um, I am not appreciative of people's handy capabilities. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so we go. Um, we're trying to figure out what song is a good song to do CPR with, and we find out it's Staying Alive, not to be confused with... Um, I Will Survive by... Oh, God, who's... Donna sings, Summers? Who sings that song? It's not Donna Summers? Is it Donna? Uh, boy, Jesus. I know, we're we're just... Uh, Gloria Gaynor. Gaynor. Uh, that's right. That sounds right. Um, so we're doing it, and then, of course, while we're singing the song and doing the CPR, Andy starts singing along, and um, I keep wanting to call her Mindy. She is not me. Kelly. Kelly. Kelly keeps dancing and stuff, and Dwight's doing his head bob. The lady reveals that they've lost the patient because they were singing <laughs> instead of doing CPR. Right. And then Dwight takes over the room to... Um, how to harvest organs if he's a donor. Um, so while they're talking about it and while Stanley's kind of bugging out, um, Dwight cuts off the dummy's face and wears it Hannibal Lecter style. Like, uh, he got that face off really fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I figured he uh, has some skinning know-how, you know? 
still it shouldn't be with a face yeah especially a human face but um he did it and i just i felt so bad for the red cross worker like all oh, this yeah. craziness yeah. around her she just she's got this look on her face like oh shit what's going on right um so we find ourselves back at corporate dwight is being reprimanded once more Yes. And there's another another instance where there's no reason for Michael to be dumb in this capacity, but uh, corporate says a price for the dummy, and Michael like flips the numbers for some reason. Um, again, just weird. It's funny, sure, but <laughs> not rocket science. Um, and, so and support. Yeah, and we we got sort of a B storyline with Andy and Jim and Pam, and they're watching. A pirated movie uh, that is titled Mrs. Albert Hannaday. Uh-huh. And, oh, I get, okay. It, so that's happening. And also there's some strife with Pam's parents' relationship. And that sort of is tied into this whole movie. What's really cool, though, is they actually get Jack Black to sort of guest star, but he's in the movie, but not in the episode. Right. Uh, we've got... Sorry, I'm sitting on a Jerome in my bedroom. <laughs> trying to get comfortable. Okay. Um, yeah, Jack Black is in it. We see Jessica Alba for a couple seconds. And um, Cloris Leachman is in it. Um, also, just to goes to show you that this is obviously a Super Bowl episode that they put a lot of money in, right? Right. Um, yeah, and the plot of this movie basically seems that Jack Black leaves his Jessica Alba girlfriend to date Cloris Leachman instead. Um, yeah, I couldn't do that. No, that is a mistake on many levels. (laughs) Um, for all love is love, right? Nobody probably should have dated Jack Black to begin with. (laughs) Um, and once you're lucky enough to date one of those ladies, you probably shouldn't cheat on them. It's, well... (laughs) Stuff. You should never cheat, kitties. Ever. It's a bad thing to do. Um, yeah, so Pam's dad, we find out, is staying with the the helper, the Beasley Halperts now um, at their fancy clown-encrusted home. Um, and so there's just, there's just a lack of communication between Pam's parents is what we find out, right? Right, and they're all talking like he's not saying what he needs to say and... Then Pam tries to enlist Jim to talk to her dad, right. which, man, I don't think I could do that. Like, I'll do just about anything for my wife, but that might be a stretch too far. That's your meatloaf moment? <laughs> yeah. do anything for love, but you won't do that? Yeah, it's just, yeah, I, I wouldn't, yeah, I couldn't do that. I could do just about anything else, you know, but... Uh, that just doesn't see. I don't want to get. I don't like getting in the middle of anyone's relationships, much less my in-laws. I mean, if they were at a place where we knew that maybe they knew their parents more, but we know when Pam's mother comes, she's never met Jim, you know, and that is only four years ago. And they're only dating for two years or now or so. That's so a long yeah, time. Not at, uh, what's that? I mean, two years, that's a long time. Yeah, but like to your point, not long enough for you to want to start interjecting oh, into yeah. a married couple's relationship. No, no, definitely not. Could not do it. Um, so 
So Jim and Pam don't know how to illegally download music, which is why they're watching it with Andy, because Andy knows how to download it. The only time, for whatever reason, they decide to discuss these delicate matters is while they're watching the movie with Andy. And Andy thinks they're talking about the movie. Right. So Andy is sitting there thinking that he is missing huge plot points in this movie that apparently they only watch in like 10-minute increments because we see them watching it in like four different locations. Um. Yeah, and eventually Pam asks Jim to talk to her father, right? Right. Um, you know, they chat about BS during breakfast or what have you. So, the, you know, she's like, maybe you could get some more details out of him about what's going on. Right. And, yeah, and there's a uh, sort of a another subplot where Dwight has to get formal acknowledgement that everyone has heard his apology. So he's got to get him to sign a form. Yeah, they come back from corporate. Um, he's got this form, and then he's he's doing that thing where he's trying to get Andy to sell him the Xterra. He's just shouting, do it. Do it now. Do it. <laughs> sign like, it now. Sign it. Yeah. Um, uh, and so the episode... The first half of the episode closes out with Michael trying to lead this like meditation class. Mm-hmm. And you got in there going, oh, oh, which would be terrible. I don't think I could handle that with Michael. Right. <laughs> and um, he's telling this whole story about like meeting some monks with some funny cigarettes and you feel even better. And he's asking about ice cream flavors and right. my, or Stanley wants chocolate. Mug's like, there isn't any racism anymore. Stanley, yeah. you can have whatever flavor you want. Meredith goes chunky monkey. And Michael's like too expensive. Is that a Ben and Jerry's? Is, is that? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, and then we see that, uh, Stanley has a, a biofeedback monitor that he's, got in his hands and every time michael approaches him it starts to go off right because his stress level goes up and then as a test oscar takes it and similar effect happens right (laughs) kevin astutely says michael i think you're stressing everyone out right (laughs) and you get this great thing where he's like michael's like "You, you never expect that you're the killer what a great twist like he's still somehow like making this not a terrible thing. He does look like he's about to cry, though. Yes. So, so we get back, and um, Jim has talked to Pam's dad. Right. And Pam has found out from her mom that her dad is leaving permanently, right? He's going to start looking for his own place. Mm Mm-hmm. And she freaks out on Jim. And rightfully so, based on the information we know she has. Right. I mean, yeah, it seems like he said something to her dad, basically like, hey, you know, GTFO of that relationship. And he didn't, you know. Right. Um, so she has a, a short talking head where she's basically like, you know, what the hell did she say to my dad? And when is he going to say that to me? Um emotions Emotions this is why you don't get in the middle of other people's relationships especially when they're related to your you know fiance wife girlfriend boyfriend whatever just don't do it just walk away um so back to michael he decides so he has a way 
to get his employees not to think of him as such a powerful, intimidating individual. Right. You know, back when boss meant cool, now it just means, you know, st- silly jerk or something like that. Or jerk in charge. Uh, so they decide to have a roast of Michael Scott. Oh, Michael decides to have a roast of Michael Scott. No, that's fair. That's fair. And um, so Comedy Central Roast Channel. Yeah. It's basically the same setup as a primate, right? Right. So they're on a little stage or whatever. There's a picture of Michael up, and um, he's sitting in a fancy chair, and he's got a little snare drum and cymbal. Um, and he invites people up, and, and, and we go. And there's some... Uh, there's some, some really here. good stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, Michael needs to get a hold of YouTube to get them to come down and film it. That's right. So Angela uh, comes up, and she's like the first. She jumps up there. Yeah. So and it's the, you might be Michael Scott. <laughs> you know, lines. She's like, I normally don't uh, don't like laughter, but this was good. Yeah. And Kelly mm-hmm. is all about what, like, the things she would make out with before Michael. Like a turtle, a fridge, anyone from the warehouse. Yeah. All the way house goes, woo. <laughs> Lord Voldemort. Yeah. Um, Oscar goes up, and he just berates Michael in Spanish. Someone uh, someone translated it. It's nothing revelatory. It's basically, you know, you're an idiot. I want to, yeah, it's just, just, just flat out berating with no cleverness at all. And Meredith is up there like, you've hit me with your car. You're the reason I drink. You're the reason I live to forget. Right. <laughs> um, it, Pam goes up and she's got some jokes. <laughs> um, and hers is actually more like a little bit of a stand-up routine, right? Like she, like she like wrote it down and she prepared a bit. Let's see. Um, uh, every once every hour, someone's involved in an internet scam, and that person is Michael Scott. That's right. This thing is so small. How small is it? If it was an iPod, it would be a shuffle. <laughs> shuffle. <laughs> and you got Jim. He's like talking about uh, Spider Face. That's right. <laughs> talking, yeah. And then Dwight, he just, he gets up there and starts bringing the crowd, then waits for Michael to start calling him an idiot. Right. And then he just berates Michael. You have no friends, no family, no land. No land. <laughs> yeah. And again, you know, just. It's it's just more things in between Michael and Dwight to make sense of this, you know, battle that they'll have later on. But uh, it's it's tough to see, you know, you know, Michael is really alone in this instant, and rightfully so. The office is not being as fun about it as merits in this situation. Right, because you, know, you gotta like have, you gotta give a little good for all the bad. You know, if you're gonna berate somebody, you gotta say something nice about them too. That's right. Um, so Michael gets up to do his bit and he can't falls over the drums and runs away has to take a personnel day personnel day are we hiring <laughs> yes <laughs> like, well, another one we missed that was really good is Andy's song like I thought that was pretty impressive <laughs> oh yeah that's yeah. what I hate about you <laughs> and, yeah he makes this great crack about like you really went after my intelligence there <laughs> 
Like, um, and I in this situation, I do feel a little bad for Michael. Not a lot bad because he did bring it on himself. But I do feel like you do feel a little bad for him. Yeah, well, I mean, because we think about it. <clears throat> sorry, uh, in terms of uh, we got here because Stanley had a heart attack due to Dwight's crazy plan. Right. And now Michael finds himself in his warehouse being berated by his entire staff, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's not a conclusion that anyone really would have anticipated in that situation, but you probably shouldn't have suggested a roast. Right. Um, Toby does try to go up. We didn't say that either. And Michael's like, no, friends only. <laughs> so Michael is out um, at some park trying to feed the birds who have all flown west for the winter, apparently. Right. Uh, and we also learned that Michael likes to stay in under icicles and look directly up at them. Yeah. Uh, he's like, uh, what does Dwight say? He's like, take one step to the side and admire it from the side. He's like, no, I like the way it looks underneath it. Um, but then, so, you know, he's talking about how, you know, some shiz about an astronaut staring down at him and how he's going to be fine. A giant microphone is yeah. like, you feel sorry for me. I'm okay, spaceman. I'm not okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, you really do feel like, you just feel bad for Michael there because he didn't, he didn't yeah. deserve that level of just beratement, yeah. you know? Um, But he, he finds the courage and he comes back the office right he's wearing mm-hmm. his stupid turtleneck and his weird yeah very steve jobs jacket. Yeah. yeah um and, and he has a bunch of index cards and he's all like i just have some thoughts about you <laughs> and he just goes into it and so my question is did he write these or were they already because he had a stack of cards at the roast right right and so I wonder if it was him, like it, from the roast that he had him, or if he just made them up. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it it probably is the same ones, but yeah, yeah, I want to say it's the same ones, but he just needed that time away so he could like find the funny in them again. Yeah, as opposed to reading them as hateful things about Jim being too tall. <laughs> and then like, Oscar, you're gay. Stand there. Yeah. Andy, you're Andy, gayer than Oscar. Oscar. <laughs> Stanley just starts cracking up, and it kind of makes everything okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, it's just kind of this nice thing, and uh, Michael kind of ends it saying that he obviously cares about everybody. Again, how you're supposed to do the roast thing. Right. And to be fair, though, Michael probably has the most knowledge of what roasts are like. Right. Right. That dude's probably glued to Comedy Central all the time. <laughs> And then you, you know, then it wraps up with like Pam's dad shows up. It, uh, she tell, and the dad tells Pam like, uh, you know, I've never felt the way Jim feels for you, for your mom. And she gets all teary eyed and it's, it's a very dull, it's like just a moment, you know? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a more ammunition. I mean, that's all I do is I crap on the show later. <laughs> but it's just more ammunition to show how strong their relationship is and how much they care for each other, which makes, like, the Philly storyline so hard when they're, like, kind of not dealing with it, you know? Right, right, yeah. Um, 
but here they're still very much happy. <laughs> no Philly Jim. No Philly Jim. Right. Uh, and then we also have this great talking head about Andy. He's like, I'm not insightful enough to be a movie critic. Maybe I could be a food critic. These muffins taste bad. That yeah. painting is bad. <laughs> But that's pretty much the episode. Even for a two-parter, it's there's lots of big set pieces. You know, you got the roast, you've got the you know the opening, which is a really big set piece. So, like, even though it's a double episode, not a ton really happens. No, it's true. I mean, really, like, the best thing to walk away from is this bond between Jim and Pam, kind of just strengthening as they further on their relationship. But even that is like, we kind of already knew that. Right. It's like they weren't having trouble, right? The only problems they had started in this episode and then were immediately fixed. So it's like, you know. <laughs> so what are you uh, going to give this episode? You know, I, I thought about it and I'm going to give it uh, three out of five chunky monkeys. Not bad, not bad. I yeah. really enjoy this set of episodes. They're funny. Yeah, they're crazy. And they do kind of feel out of place a little bit, especially the first half. The second half feels more like an office episode. The sec- yeah. the first half, just you can definitely tell it was Super Bowl time. Right. Uh, but I still gave it a four out of five iPod shuffles. All right. There it is. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That That's solid. So that is it for today. You can find me at, at Jacob Ingles on Twitter, uh, Broken Joe's Broadcasting at gmail.com. If you want to email us, uh, at Broken Jars Pod on Twitter. We're on Reddit somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Patreon.com forward slash Broken Jars. Yeah. So come check us out. Say cool stuff. We will we post this to r slash Dunder Mifflin on Reddit. So if you want to comment there, you can do that as well. Yeah, we're on that all the time. Yeah. Too often. <laughs> um yeah, and that and that's it. You know, uh leave us messages, uh be nice and leave a comment or review on Apple Podcasts. And uh we'll be back next week with some more of mm. season five of The Office. Yeah, well two weeks technically, but Oh Jesus. <laughs> don't tell them that. They don't know. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.